Okay. Hi, again, um, I'm Kevin, in case you didn't catch that the first time. Uh, like I mentioned, I am the men's ministry leader here, co-leading a small group. But tonight, I'm here to share a message with you, uh, one that's been on my heart for, for quite a while, honestly, and one that just speaks to my soul and gives me such comfort and grace and hope and just a love beyond understanding. And so tonight, I get to share that with you. But before I do, I just want to just wanna ask, how's your week going so far? I know it's only Tuesday, so shouldn't be too much, but does anyone have any tests yet? Good. Anyone have big projects, you know, a paper due at the end of the week? Yeah? See? You know, you're, you're kind of understanding. Um, college is busy. Right now? Maybe not so much. These first two weeks are kind of like a vacation for uh, you first, except if you're a mu music major, pardon me. Music majors, it's never, never a vacation. Sorry. Sorry. Pardon me. But what I'm getting at is um, for you freshmen, Truman Week is a bit of a vacation. Yes, you get a little glimpse into what um, school is going to be like, but not, not really. Uh, and you're going to see that within these first couple of weeks of school, uh, my first test isn't for like an entire month, um, but it's coming. Those projects are going to come. Those papers are going to come. All of those tests are going to come crashing into you before you even know it, and it's going to get crazy hectic, crazy busy, but that's, that's academic life, um, and that's going to be competing for your attention, just trying to get all of that done, uh, just... Um, trying to get your schoolwork done when you have three papers due, a test on Friday, and a project due Monday. It's going to be challenging and it's going to be a struggle. At least for me, it most certainly is. I am the king of procrastination. Ask me how many textbooks I've read in the last three years. I'll tell you one. I'm almost done with my psych degree. Don't ask me how. Grace of God, just saying. Uh, but nonetheless, keen of procrastination, but all of that does get stressful when you have so much to do. And I'm not trying to scare you away from the university life, you know. I'm actually here to encourage you because university life, college life is awesome. It's, it's great. You make so many friends. Um, I have a ton of friends just here within the BSU and this organization that I've gotten uh, to be a part of. And I have a healthy social life, I like to think. I made dinner last night for a friend. It was pretty cool. Uh, it took forever, but I was able to just have this time of um, connection with another person because I met them here at school. So you've got a social life, hopefully, and if you don't, I implore you to get out there and meet people on your hall, maybe if you're off campus, your neighbor. My neighbor's awesome. He cooked me some Indian food, for Nepalese technically, but Nepalese food a few weeks ago. It was pretty awesome. So just make friends. Uh, there, there's that aspect of university life that I want you to, to experience. But that can also get busy. Um, friends can take up a lot of time, and that's vying for your attention as well on top of your schoolwork. But not only do you have those two elements, your academics and your social life, you also have possibly an organization you're interested in. There's so many opportunities for you to get involved here at Truman. I mean, just right here alone is the BSU. You saw staff. We are all involved here at the BSU. That's competing for your time. There's other organizations, like fraternities even, if you're interested in that. 
I have one friend in the fraternity. It takes up a lot of his time. But even if Reclock's not for you, there's service uh, um, organizations as well, such as APO, and they also require a bit of time from you. So not only do you have academics taking up a chunk of your time, should be at least if you're not me, um, a social life taking up a chunk of your time, but you also have those organizations that might be taking up your time as well. And so you have so much coming at you, so much competing for your attention, it's easy to get lost in it all. It's easy to get busy. Uh, but not only do you have these other lives that you have to maintain, you also have, hopefully, and if not, I prayerfully hope you reconsider, your spiritual life, uh, your daily walk with God. Um, but so easy is it for us, at least for me, and hopefully I'm not the only one. Um, Honesty is a good thing, guys. Um, it's so easy to put it on the back burner when everything else is coming at you. When you do have those three exams, when finals weeks come up, final week, finals week comes up, it's so easy to put God in the, pa uh, the backseat, to put him on the back burner, to put my daily readings just off. I, I'll get to it. Schoolwork's really important. And I'm not saying don't do your schoolwork. By no means. You're here at Truman for a reason. God wants you to do your schoolwork, but he doesn't want you to forget about him. Um, and our spiritual life is so quick to suffer when everything else just comes at us. And so what I'm here to talk about is not, it's not some esoteric cryptogram or something like that. It's, it's really simple. Um, I just want you to reconsider the priorities. Um, instead of putting your spiritual life on the back burner when it, when it gets busy putting it in the forefront. Um, and what I want you to do, and what I hope I convey tonight, is that you can draw near to the throne of God. But not only can you draw near to the throne of God, you can do it with confidence. And that's what I'm going to get at to tonight. So if you would, turn with me in your Bibles to Hebrews. Oh yes, that's, that's a book. It's in the New Testament, in case you didn't know. We seem to forget about it every so often. Um, Hebrews chapter 4, and we are going to start in verse 14. And I'll give you a moment to get there. Okay, and it will be on the screen also. Uh, we're going to also be flipping around a little bit. I'll just warn you about that. Um, it'll be up on the screen behind me, so you don't have to feel like you have to frantically turn the pages to keep up, but I'll let you know where we're going to be at when we turn. Okay, so one thing I really like is to honor God's word by standing as we speak it. So if you would, join me as we read Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Uh, please bow your heads in prayer. Yeah. Father God, I just thank you for this text alone, um, just how it's impacted my life. In, in the time that I've taken to just study your word, to just seek your, your truth in these pages, and just 
how much is offered right here in this short bit. And God, right now, I just, um, I just pray that ears are open, hearts are open for you. Holy Spirit, I just ask you to guide me. Uh, let, let myself decrease so you may increase. Let your words come from my mouth. And God, just, just let this message be honoring and glorifying to you. Let the truth that's contained within these pages be conveyed. And God, we just thank you so much for your word. And I can't thank you enough for that. And I just pray this all through the interceding name of Christ Jesus. Amen. Okay, you may be seated. All right, so we're gonna we're just gonna pick it up right in verse 14. Um, I'm gonna reread it real quick, but actually I'm gonna just focus on the last part of that, uh, being let us hold fast our confession. And what I'm what I just want to talk about real quick is what, what is our confession? Um, for most of us, I'm gonna assume um, you know Jesus, uh, and if you don't, I really want you to explore that. But for most of us, we have this commonality of this confession, and what what is it? I could go through an entire gospel presentation, but I think 1 Corinthians chapter 15 does a really nice job of summarizing it concisely for us. So you can turn there um, if you want. I'll give you a second to do that. But it should also be on the screen, maybe. Possibly. It might be there in a second. Okay. And I'll just read from it. Okay, so starting in verse 1. And this is Paul speaking to the Corinthians. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. Behold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance... What I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. I mean, just right here is our confession. It is the gospel. It's the embodiment of everything within the New Testament. It is that Jesus, the Son of God, God in the flesh, came to earth, lived died and rose again, all in accordance with scriptures, fulfilling prophecy and doing it knowingly. His death was not by accident. He laid it down for us. Um, and what we see here, what our confession is, that in his life we have an example to live by. His very words tell us what, what to do. Um, in his death, we find forgiveness of our sins where the wrath of God, our transgressions, was satisfied. We find forgiveness in his death, and in his resurrection, we get the promise of life eternal. But more than that, more than something that's coming, we get life today. Amen. We get a transforming grace because of the resurrection. And uh, I could just keep it at that, but I'll just share a personal example of this transforming grace that we confess. And it's my life. Um, it might come as a shocker, and might, might not. Um, I was not raised in the church. Um, and for those who were, that's wonderful. But, and you, 
it even says for those who are, like, that's, that's wonderful. Um, but I was not raised with that. I was not raised with a godly home. And so I didn't have that guidance. I didn't have the words of Jesus spoken to me by my parents. Um, and so I didn't get into church until I was much later. I kind of went a few times with friends. But it was about 16 when I went. But still, I never really understood it all. And so I was quick to just turn it away, just not care. And the type of person I was before God, before really seeking the truth, before having Christ dwell within me, was terrible. I mean, I, and I'll be honest, I'll confess, I was terrible sinner. I was awful. And just not by, of course, what we learned, but just by the world standards, I was getting drunk. I was, um, I was just using women, even. I was using my intellect and put it on a pedestal, and I used it to destroy others. And that just doesn't sound like a cool person. That just sounds awful. And that's what I did. I was so caught up in thinking that getting drunk or this girl or my intellect could satisfy me that I was impervious to the fact that I was dead. Uh, none of that satisfied me. None of that made me a good person. And maybe by like some media standard, like, oh yeah, get that beer in your hand, get that woman, yeah, you're doing good. That's not what it is. That's not the truth. Um, but when I did find God, when God found me, when he came into my life, and I received that transforming grace, you see me before you now. I could not do this if I was the same man. Boy. I was a boy. I was not a man. I was a boy. I could not do this. I, if, and if I did, I would surely hope that God would strike me down. Um, but now I just, I seek, I seek him daily. And yes, I struggle sometimes, uh, but I seek him. I love God more than I could ever imagine. Um, honestly, I never thought I would do this, but and I even proclaimed it at one point. There's no way I could ever be a pastor. Lo and behold, guess what? God is calling me into ministry. Um, I got an opportunity to go to India, see the church alive in a place of uh, just not repression. What's, what is it? Persecution. persecution. There we go. Momentary slip. Uh, but yeah, in persecution, I got an opportunity to do that. Could never have done that if I was not transformed by grace, to see that, to, to weep over the loss. My heart breaks when I hear that someone does not know Jesus. I, it, it just wants me to cry right now. The, the Holy Spirit within me, and that's the other thing, I now have the Holy Spirit indwelling, breaks, turns with me. My heart turns violently when I hear that someone doesn't know Christ. I have a friend, um, and she means a lot to me, but she doesn't know Jesus, and I pray for her every night because while our friendship is great and it would be cool if uh, she knew Jesus before just the conversations and possibilities there, I wanted to know Jesus because it's life, because it's transforming grace, because it's happiness. Not in a happiness that, oh, everything's going to be okay, but it's contentness with, with God. It's knowing that He is here, that he is drawing me near, that he is 
growing and closer to him. And that transforming grace is what we confess. And I just, that's what I'm trying to remind you here right in this passage is that confession, um, what that is. And so moving on from there, we're going to go to verse 15 in Hebrews. Um, i got to flip back. Oh no, I lost it. here. Okay, so in verse 15, it says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. And this is, this is awesome right here, because Jesus is not some savior way up there who does not know what we're going through. He, oh, Jesus, you could never know what I'm going through here at university life. You, you don't know what it's like. You, you didn't have classes, Jesus. How could you possibly know? But he does. Maybe the circumstances aren't the same, but he knows what we're going through because here at college, here in your daily life, you're struggling with temptation, I'm sure. I'm struggling with temptation daily. But there's a contrast where we're struggling with temptation from maybe social groups to go out, party, or the media for sex, drugs, and alcohol. Maybe not quite that, but nonetheless, you know, sex. Get drunk. This is the cool thing to do. There's temptations found all over the world, and it's coming at you. But Jesus was tempted by something greater than all of these. The tempter. Satan himself. Directly at him. And uh, we're going to be turning to Matthew chapter 4 for this bit of passage, where we see that. Where we see um, Jesus tempted by the devil. Perfect. And so, starting in verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting forty days and forty nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus was tempted. Jesus went through temptations too. So he knows exactly what we're going through in temptation. But he defeated it. And he tells us how, even. Uh, I could go on through the temptations. I mean, it's, it's a pretty lengthy ordeal. And we only get a small account in the, in the Gospels. But here is just enough of what we need. Jesus was tempted, but he also gave us how to go through those temptations. How to, to combat it. Not by bread alone, but by the word of God. The word of God is in your hands on that screen right here before you. It is the Bible. All scripture is God-breathed. He did not just have some peer editing. He, he was in it. The Holy Spirit was guiding the writers. We have the words of God before us. We learn about God. We see what he's done for us, what he promises us, and how he does it all. We see God here because he's revealed it to us, and Jesus tells us exactly how to combat those temptations. Now, I'm not saying you're not going to struggle or sometimes fail, but by reading your Bible more often than just maybe once a month, you might be able to, to combat those temptations more. Uh, and the more and more you read it, the more and more it just comes and lives in your heart. And it's just amazing to be able to go through a situation and just know God's deliverance. 
just to know God is with you. And you see that through the Old Testament and the New Testament. God with the Israelites, God with us in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God in us. And so, how do we really get to know Holy Spirit? How do we get to know Jesus? How do we get to know God? Reading our Bible. And I'm not saying, go home and read the whole Bible tonight. But maybe just try reading the try reading some scripture at least once a week. I implore you daily because it's amazing to wake up in the morning and get God right on your mind first, first thing. And uh, that's, that's what I've got for that. So, now we're coming to verse 16. I'll be honest. I'm excited for this part. I'm excited for verse 16 because it is awesome. I love this part. And this is, this is what I'm getting at for everything is uh, in verse 16 of Hebrews. Let us, then, with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now, I can talk about that grace part, but I think our confession does. Uh, I, I think our confession of that transforming grace has already covered that. I could talk about mercy and in our time of need, but I think hearing Jesus' words through temptations by the devil himself helps us in that. What I want to talk about is the throne, the throne itself. And I love this part. So if you would, turn to, we're going to Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 6. Because I think if we really understand and have this vision of the throne, we might be more eager to go to it. Um... And so, it's already up there, so perfect. And I'm going to just... Okay. And this is Isaiah's vision, the prophet. He did a lot of prophecies, a lot of which were of Jesus. So, he's kind of got... He's a big deal. Um, Starting in verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple... Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings, with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew, and one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory, and the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke, and I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. This is just such a powerful bit of scripture right here. Just this passage alone evokes such feelings in my heart, and hopefully yours. Maybe not now, but maybe later tonight. Because Isaiah, the prophet, who wrote and scrawled down the coming of Jesus, the, the one who would be pierced for our transgressions, found in Isaiah 53, the, the gospel in the Old Testament, basically. He has this vision of the throne of God, of God, and he is undone. He is broken at this sight of just how majestic and glorious and beautiful, and how unworthy he is, because he realizes he is a sinner. He lives amongst sinners, 
and he does not deserve just this vision of the throne. This is just a vision, guys. This isn't even the actual throne. And he is just broken. He is lost. And he knows he should not be before this. And it's just amazing because there's such contrast. There's such contrast from Isaiah the prophet who wrote such great things that would come to pass of Jesus and us today. Because I'll tell you, the throne is the same. The throne, God, is never changing. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, forever and ever. God is the same. His throne is the same. That same throne talked about in Isaiah 6 is what we see here in Isaiah, or not Isaiah, Hebrews chapter 4. It's the same throne. But here in Hebrews, we see, we are told that we can go to the throne with confidence. How? How? I mean, this throne undid Isaiah. He was broken because of this throne. He was lost. Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips. And I am a man of unclean lips. I live today amongst the people of unclean lips. Because secret is, guys, we're all sinners. We all are. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. Scary words to hear, but it's the truth. For all have sinned. And fall short of the glory of God. For we are all dead in our sins. Isaiah realized he was dead. And he did not deserve this sight. But there's, there's something different. Something Isaiah did not have. But wrote about. Jesus. The Christ. God the Son in the flesh. We have Jesus. We have grace. We have transforming grace. We have forgiveness for our transgressions, forgiveness for our sins. But we have life. Romans 6 teaches us that we were once dead in our sin. Dead. Rotting. Disgusting. But now we are made alive by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The one, the only. He is the way, the truth, and the light. And this is the difference between what undid a prophet And what we have today, where we can not like Isaiah, cringe, turn away a little bit, and speak, woe is me. But we can go before this very same throne that undid, that broke that prophet, and do it with confidence. With confidence. We can do it boldly in some translations. And I love that. I love the translations when they they echo just different words like that. Because it means the same thing. But you can go with confidence. You can go boldly to that throne. You don't have to shrink back and speak words as if you did not belong. Because truth is, we don't belong. But that is grace. That is the transforming grace we have. And if you don't have that, I implore you to check it out. Because it is the most amazing thing ever. It is the only thing that matters. Because life eternal, that's great. But life today is even greater. I am alive because of God. I can approach this very same throne that broke Isaiah, for he was of unclean lips, and I can do it with confidence. And so what I'm getting at here tonight is college is going to get busy, but stay true to your confession that there is transforming grace, that Jesus came, he died, but he rose again. That during those troubles, during those temptations, know that Jesus is not far off, but he has been through it with you, and he is with you. 
And he has given you a way through that. There is a deliverance that you find in the scriptures through those temptations. And lastly, draw near to the throne of God. Draw confidently near. Because with that transforming grace, with that confession, with scripture, with God in you, you can do so, so wonderfully. Something Isaiah shrunk back, something where he was broken, we can do boldly. And we can do it at any time. Any time. Jesus is interceding for us. Jesus is the bridge where in Isaiah's days they had to go through so much to just make purification for sins of the flesh. Not even their soul, just the flesh. Worldly sins. There was just so much that they had to go through. The Levitical priesthood and everything like that. But none of that gave them sanctification, true forgiveness, purification for their soul. There is a difference between the Old Testament and the New, and that's Jesus. We are man. God, obviously God. Sin, which we are in, can never be with God. Never. We see that. It is as far as it is from the east to the west. But, because of Jesus Christ, because of God the Son, there is a bridge over that infinite chasm of sin. And he is interceding, and we have direct access to God never seen before except in the beginning. We have returned to that through our prayers. The curtain has been torn. We can go to him now. And that is exactly what we're going to do. We are going to boldly approach that throne. Please pray with me. Father God, I just thank you so much for this, for the scripture so much for transforming grace where I was once dead but now am alive and so many here have felt that exact transformation and Lord right now I just I lift up any who haven't experienced that transformation because God yes there's riches in heaven um, but none of that matters that, that's not what, what we strive for we strive for a relationship with you Life eternal, that's amazing. That's a great promise. But we have life today as well. And so, God, I just pray for anyone here who does not know you, that they might, that the Holy Spirit is knocking at the door of their heart, that they let him in, that he let you in. Because the transforming grace can only be felt for its hand. It's an experience unlike any other. God, I'm so thankful to have had that experience just like so many here are. So Lord, for this busy college life that's going to pick up, I just hope that you guide us through your Holy Spirit, that you just constantly remind us of your love, your grace, your mercy, to to hold fast our confession, to know that you were amidst those temptations, to know that we can boldly come before you just as we are right now. Where Isaiah was undone, we can do with confidence. God, so incredible. We can only do this by the interceding name, the blood, the sacrifice of Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Thank you. That's my message for tonight. So.